and it was goodness. We come this morning looking, searching, bringing what we have to offer, whatever spices are in our cabinet, whatever we can carry, because this morning we're looking, we're looking for Jesus who has been with us, Jesus who's walked with us and taught us, Jesus who ate with us, Jesus who forgave us and healed us. We're looking, we're looking and we're still in shock and grief, it's early in the morning, but we've got what we can carry and we're going to go do what we're supposed to do. We know we're supposed to go find the body, and when we find the body, we know we're supposed to do the rituals with spices to prepare the body. And we're getting ready. We're wondering, is this rock going to be there? Will we be strong enough to move the stone away? What's going to happen? We're in grief. We don't know what to do except what we've always done. Gather up what we can. Go and be. Go and be with the one we loved. That's not with us anymore. So here the women go. Worried about something they don't need to worry about because, see, that stone has already been rolled away. And they get there. They get there in their grief. And what could, else could go wrong? What else could get in their way? The stone is gone, but there's no body. How can I do what I need to do? How can I complete the ritual? How can I grieve in the way I'm supposed to grieve? There's no body. This young stranger tells us Jesus has gone to Galilee. I don't know if I can take that in yet. Seems like just too much. Seems like there's nothing the world is changing too fast. God, can you just stop it for a little while for us to catch up? Can you just stop it for a little while? I don't know if you've been in those places of great pain and suffering and grief where it's hard to hear any message of life, where you're not sure Easter is going to break in. You're not sure resurrection is possible because the pain of the loss and the suffering is just overwhelming. Sometimes we don't know what to do except gather what we can and offer a gift. Go and do the rituals we've been taught to do. I don't know what you do in those situations, but I make a lasagna. <laughs> you know, I'll make a lasagna, take my time with prayers, I do the noodles, I do all the layers, get it in my fancy little container so it won't burn me. And I take it over to the family and I sit. Because that's what I know to do. And in the middle of the sitting, we listen to stories. Stories that help us sometimes move from nothing to everything. From nothing to a life well lived. From nothing to God breaking through in new ways and finding love all over again. We break free from the grief. We break free from that what holds us into this one space of pain and sorrow. What do you do? Some of you may bake lasagna too because it's what we have that we can bring. And into this story today, we bring what we've been taught. We bring what we know of our faith. And there's a, there's a journey we take from nothing to everything. 
There's a journey that we move through that God is with us along the way. And on that journey, I would say we have to eat some of our shell like Mark Nepo talks about so that we can remember and take in that with God is this far but move on down the road. And sometimes when we look at this crucifixion story and this resurrection story, people have tried to fill in the gaps of what does it mean. Mark just ends us with an empty tomb, like mid-sentence, just stops. We're kind of left to do a do-it-yourself resurrection. We're kind of left to say, what does it mean to us? It just stops. Now, other people couldn't deal with that just stopping, so they slapped on some other endings to Mark. If you take out your Bible and look, there's a shorter ending, and then there's a longer ending. Neither of them are Mark, but people just couldn't take it being left the way it was. And so they had to fill in some gaps. And we do that in our lives sometimes to try and make sense of what's going on. But Mark ends it right there mid-sentence. And then leaves it up to you to say, what does this mean to me? And where will I break free? What will this mean in my life? Where will I go? Mark is the earliest gospel writer, and he says this is the most important place because he just stops and asks you to move forward. And that's what this Easter Sunday is about. But some of it we have to leave behind. I don't know about you, but I think it's almost the question between, do I believe in an angry God or a loving God? Do I really believe that stuff that a God would kill God's son? Is that important for me to believe? Is it what my faith is about? I believe if I worship an angry God, I become an angry person. If I worship a God that demands that kind of justice because God is so offended that I become someone who gets so offended that I demand justice all the time. I don't believe that's the God Jesus showed us. I believe Jesus showed us a God of love who was willing to walk with us, eat with us, be with us, all in love. Teach us over and over again that God loves us over and over again. But see, even at the end, they still didn't understand what it meant to move from that angry place to that place of love. But I think that's what Easter asks of us to do. So what does it mean that God loved the world so much that God gave God's self? And you remember the next verse says, not in condemnation, not in anger, not so that you're afraid. God gave, loved the world. God gave God's self so that you may have life without condemnation. So I invite you today to kind of break free from that shell a little bit more. Whatever you believe about God, wonder what in your belief needs to change so that you imagine a more loving God. If we have a more loving God, then we can be more loving. If we have a God that says, I'll give of myself and be vulnerable to you, then we can be more vulnerable. If we have a God that calls us into deeper understanding of the fullness of love, we can experiment the rest of our life with that. But it's a journey from nothing to everything. And I invite you to consider where you are on that journey and what you might need to break free of. On Easter Sunday, when breaking free is what it is all about, Mark Nepo just gives us a wonderful image with that chick coming through the 
coming through the shell. Tuesday, a week ago, I went to a breakfast of the Anti-Defamation League. They're a group dedicated to stop hate language and hate crimes around the, around the world, and particularly here in the U.S. And at this particular breakfast, they had two guests. And I thought, oh, I need to go and hear what these two young women have to say. They're the granddaughters of Fred Phelps. Fred Phelps is a preacher who has recently passed on, and he is in Topeka, Kansas, and he is the one that had those signs that had all that angry stuff on them. Fred believed in an angry God, in an angry God that killed people all the time, and it would kill gay people, would kill military soldiers, and Fred would send protesters out to all these events with these signs that were horrendous, that said horrible things on them. And these two girls, Megan and Grace, were taught at three, to five, three and five years old to go and carry those signs and be out there in those places so that people would see how much God judged them and how much they needed to be turned around so that they could find safety in an angry God. And they did that many, many, many times. And as they grew up, they had been taught what it meant to be redeemed, what it meant to challenge people to give up all of these things in their lives so that they could be redeemed too because God demanded so much. As they went about doing that, the signs started to change. Fred got angrier. And the signs started to say, instead of you're going to hell, they started to say, you should be killed. You should be killed. And Grace and Megan struggled. Because if that was true, what their grandfather was saying and changing this message, and that meant there was no hope for Easter. There was no hope for Easter for any of the people they were talking to. Because if you just killed them, that ended that hope from their understanding. And what happened in their belief system was a little crack. And they started to eat at the shell. They started to learn new lessons. And they started to ask questions. A rabbi actually came out to talk to them because they were standing outside the rabbi's home carrying a sign that said, the rabbi is a whore. The rabbi managed to come out of the house and learn their names. And over the years, would actually keep in touch with them, send them a note. You know, the rabbi is a whore. Doesn't that make you just want to go talk to somebody? But he did. And in the process of those conversations with Megan and Grace, he was a part of the story, knowing their name, that enabled them to broaden that crack and broaden that crack. And when they finally questioned their family, they were kicked out. They lost their family, lost their brothers and sisters, they lost their home. And they stayed in the home of the rabbi they had called a whore. If that's not Easter, I don't know what is. If that's not redemption and reconciliation, I don't know what is. When God breaks you free, it can sometimes feel like death, like that chick and that egg. We can scratch the marks on the wall for the time it's taking us to be free. So much is changing, it feels like life is never going to be the same again. And that is absolutely true because it's not going to be the same again. And sometimes we get so afraid of that feeling of death, we stop pecking. We stop on the journey to being free. Even though God pulls us forward each and every step of the way. Breaking free is a lifelong task. And it can feel like death. There's a movie that came out recently about two teenagers that are both suffering from different kinds of cancer. 
they meet each other at a support group, and at the support group, things are okay, kind of hokey. They're not sure they should go. They're not sure it's giving them too much, but they meet each other. And in the meeting of each other, their lives start to change, but not completely. They find a bond in a book they're reading, sort of like Mark's gospel. The end of the book just ends mid-sentence when the main character dies. Just ends mid-sentence. And for, for, because of where they are in their life, it resonated with them that it ended mid-sentence. And as the story unfolds, they decide to go and meet the author, who turns out to be a real jerk. Turns out to be a real jerk and say, I'm not going to give you anything just because you're dying. I'm not going to tell you. They want to know, what's the next part of the story? What comes next? And, and he says, nothing comes next. And so they're struggling with wanting to have what comes next, just like we do with this Gospel of Mark. And in the struggle of him saying nothing comes next, eventually they're able to break free from their shells. And where before they were so consumed by their death before them, they weren't able to let themselves love one another. In the midst of him saying there's nothing, they found love. In the midst of this morning's nothing, God says to us, love. And so one of the exercises they did was to write each other a eulogy. And what I want to show you at this moment is a clip from the movie of part of the eulogy of one of these teenagers. I'm not going to talk about our love story because I can't. So instead, I'm going to talk about math. I am not a mathematician, but I do know this. There are infinite numbers between zero and one. There's point one, point one two, and point one one two, and, and an infinite collection of others. Of course, there is a bigger infinite set of numbers between zero and two, or between zero and a million. Some infinities are simply bigger than other infinities. A writer that we used to like taught us that. You know, I want more numbers that I'm likely to get. And God, do I want more days for Augustus Waters than what he got? But Gus, my love, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for our little infinity. You gave me it forever. Within the numbered days. And for that I am, I am eternally grateful. You've given me forever within my numbered days. You've given me an infinity 
and eternity. Yes, God, some infinities are bigger, your love. But we partake in that life. We partake in that infinity. And for them to choose love right in the jaws of death was to proclaim Easter and to proclaim resurrection. Even when the story had ended, they were challenged to write their own. Even as Mark has ended, we are challenged to write our own, to do it ourselves resurrection, to know what it means to break free from our shell. We are challenged by this story, challenged to keep moving forward. God meets us right at the point of the worst. God meets us right at the point of the worst, not merely to just fix things by adding a little bit more verses, but makes us right at the story of our worst to redeem them and change them and restore the world in a way we haven't been able to imagine yet. God meets us right there in the place of our lives where we don't feel like there's any resurrection possible. God meets us right there. God meets us in that space, offering us back an opportunity where we think there's been failure, offering us a new beginning where they think it's been an ending. God gives us forever within whatever we think the numbered days of our lives are. And God gives us, right in the midst of the death, an invitation. An invitation to love. To love like we never have before. Paul's confession, the Apostle Paul, says, God uses the worst the empire could throw at you. God uses the worst the Romans can throw at you and turns the worst into good. God does not cause that to happen, but God redeems the hurt. God redeems the pain. God redeems the life. God offers us redemption. But sometimes it feels like death. Feels like we have to take a little bit more off that shell for us to be able to break free. It's a process. The women left not saying a word. They weren't ready yet. The women left not saying a word. Still hadn't made sense of it. So what little infinity are you going to dance in this year, this life, for the rest of your life? Are you going to dance in the infinity of fear of a God that's angry? Or are you going to dance into a larger infinity of love and a God that keeps trying to help you understand it over and over and over again? You know, we show it in our resurrection symbol. You may not have noticed. But if you see our symbol of resurrection, see the scoop at the bottom of the R, the baptism? Goes right through the T of a cross. Becomes the sunshine of resurrection. Becomes the sunshine of resurrection. If you just finish that loop, we got of infinity right there in our logo. God dancing with us. Every time we go back into fear, to bring us out into the light of love one more time. Can you do that kind of dance? Because if you do, it's Easter. If you do, it's love. Sometimes we stop right when we're on the cusp of new life because the dying feels so imminent that we stop too soon. But breaking free from what keeps you from God's love is resurrection. When life-giving choices replace death-giving choices, you move from the fear-mongers to the love-embracers, and you live. 
right now. You see, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. This isn't a pie in the sky in heaven faith. This is a right now faith for you. Right now, the truth is you can experience resurrection. God has it for you today. Healing, wholeness, love, joy, authenticity, peace, conviction, passion. God's game if we are. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ has gone before you to Galilee. You may not be ready to take that journey to Galilee yet, but Christ is already there waiting for you. The problem can feel like dying, so let's do it together. Let's support one another. Let's break free from anything that keeps us from God's love together. We can do it. We have to write the story. Mark leaves it to us. Easter comes right to those in their need. It does not wait. It's not neat and tidy. The stone was removed away. We just have to stop looking for stones to keep us apart. From a writer, Clarence Jordan, civil rights activist. We are a church that doesn't look for a rolled away stone, but a carried away church. Can you be a church that doesn't look for a rolled away stone, but for a carried away church? In your life, there's some place where the light of God's love has yet to be. Break free. In Jesus' name, it's Easter. Amen.